Episode 14 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on November 18th, 2016. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Bioware released a new trailer called Rule the Galaxy for Knights of the Eternal Throne. I'll walk you through everything that's going on in this new teaser. Also this week, Bioware gave us story time with Charles Boyd as he and Eric Musco talk about the highly anticipated Knights of the Eternal Throne story. And finally this week, Star Wars author Drew Carpishin delights us with a short pre-story for Knights of the Eternal Throne called A Mother's Hope. I'll read you a short excerpt. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 14 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. First up, let's review some announcements for the Old Republic. So first up is my podcast schedule, and as I mentioned before, there will not be a podcast for November the 29th. Yes, I know that's early release, but I am going to be on vacation, and don't worry, that's actually a good thing. I mean, I will be in the Caribbean on the beach, diving, snorkeling, and stuff, so as long as I don't get eaten by a shark or something, I should be back, and we'll do an episode on December the 6th, and of course, I'll talk about my progression and impressions of Knights of the Eternal Throne, because... It'll all be over by that time. We'll know everything. We'll have all of our answers. The story will have been played, and we'll be working on Galactic Command, doing uprising things. So it will be an awesome time. Uh, Last week, I also mentioned that I was expanding, hoping to do maybe a little bit of live streaming, some videos and and things. And I've already started to do a little bit of blogging on the site. Going to continue to do that, although I may not get to some of those other things until after I come back from vacation and after Nights of the Eternal Throne launches. We'll, We'll have to wait and see. But as always, the podcast will be my primary focus, just in case it looks like I'm spreading myself too thin. This will always get the priority. Regarding the remaining official live stream slash blog schedule, the final live stream for Knights of the Eternal Throne will be on Wednesday, November the 23rd, and that will be a Knights of the Eternal Throne wrap-up and Q&A, and they'll just kind of give you a big review uh, before the game releases on November 29th. Regarding the promotions, as I said, it's too late to get Shea Vizsla. It's too late for early access, but uh, you can get the Rapid Recon Walker. All you need to do is make sure that you are subscribed on or before November 27th, and you will get the Rapid Recon Walker for all the characters on your account. And as I mentioned in the last couple weeks, even though you can't get Shea Vizsla, just go grab some of her armor, find a female companion, stick it on them, and you know you can just run around pretending she's Shea Vizsla, and, you know, good times to be had. Regarding the Dark versus Light, of course, the double XP event, really, really pretty much over. I believe that the companion was going to be decided on November the 15th, and as I said, it's the light side companion, so that should be, that should be done, so I guess you're, if you're still wrapping up some things for the Dark versus Light event, your Dark Light choices don't think they matter all that much anymore. And then the double XP event will also end on November the 29th, so just a little bit of time left to go take advantage and level up some of those characters before we get into the expansion. 
So that's all of the announcements I have. Let's slice the hollow net and check out the news this week. And the main focus is going to be on story for Knights of the Eternal Throne. So let's just talk spoilers here and kind of my stance on spoilers. That way, hopefully we can all at least get on the same page here as you, as you listen to the rest of the show. So some of the things we'll be talking about. I mentioned in the uh, intro, the teaser trailer. Now, this is something that I don't necessarily consider to be a spoiler per se. It's a trailer. It's meant to be consumed. These are images and scenes that Bioware has, uh, as I said, put out there for public consumption. I don't consider talking about that or the information in it that it contains to be a spoiler, at least not 100%. I'm not going to be just a complete jerk and just shout out everything, and I will give you sort of spoiler alerts as I get closer to talking about this content. But the teaser trailer is not something that I would consider to be uh, kind of spoiler material. Information from the live stream, I also don't consider that to be a spoiler um, because it's just stuff that Eric Musco and Charles Boyd just came out and openly talked about, which again, I think it's sort of like, you know, just consider that to be public knowledge that they're okay with us knowing about. And that's sort of my stance, right? If Bioware is okay with us knowing about this stuff, then I don't have a problem talking about it. So I'll comment on what they said, but I won't expand on it. For some reason, if there's some information that I know for for sure um, that I could use to kind of expand on what they talked about, I'm not gonna not going to do that. I'll just kind of limit it to whatever they they mentioned and kind of give you my my commentary on it. And then also I mentioned in the intro, there was a short story that written by Drew Carpishan. Now this I absolutely consider to be spoiler material. So I am not going to go into details on this story. I'll probably talk about it at a high level. Uh, I may even read a an ex- excerpt from it uh, just to kind of get you interested in it if you haven't read it. But it's good. You should go out and read it. But uh, I'm not going to get into a lot of details because that is an actual story. And even though it's live and available, you may not have read it. And I would consider any details on that to absolutely be spoilers. So that is my stance on spoilers. Um, hopefully um, it matches with, with, with what you consider to be a spoiler. And I will like, you know, dole out spoiler alerts as, as I come upon this, this content today. Now, one of the things that happened this week was BioWare released a brand new trailer for Knights of the Eternal Throne. It was about 33 seconds long, and it was just simply called Rule the Galaxy Teaser. Now, when it comes to these trailers, there are a couple of ways in which you can watch them. And one is you just go pull up the video, set it to a high resolution, maximize it on your screen, hit play, and then boom, just 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 quietly watch it and, and just, just absorb all the information. And then maybe when it's over, you hit the replay button, and you watch it again. And I think that's what a lot of people do. The other way which which you can go about watching it is this. You can do all the things that I just said, but then you can watch it again, only this time you're going to do it in slow motion. Then you're going to do it in super slow motion. You're going to watch it forwards. You're going to watch it backwards. You're going to watch it upside down and inside out and frame by frame. And you are going to watch this film like a conspiracy theorist analyzing the Kennedy assassination film. And that's what I'm going to do today. So spoiler alert, I'm going to get into some of the details, the very deep details of this teaser trailer. And if you just kind of gave it a, a once a quick look through, there are a lot of things that you may have missed. And so I am going to point all of those things out to you. And yes, it 
could be considered to be somewhat spoilerish, so you have been warned. So let's just start with some of the some of the things that we saw. First, we saw the Outlander facing off against Phelan. No real surprise there, right? I mean, you know, we knew she was the villainess and that she was the main thing, I guess, standing between us and the Eternal Throne. So the fact that we would be fighting her, no big secret. One of the thing, another thing that caught my eye was, uh, there was, looks like there was a battle perhaps going on on Dromond Kass, which is, of course, is the Imperial capital. So I like the fact that the story might be shifting a little bit away from Zakul and taking us back into our part of the galaxy, into the core worlds, and we'll see places like Dromond Kass, possibly Coruscant, and some others, because, right, there's a lot going on between just the Republic and Suresh and the Empire and Darth Asina and like to see what's 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 happening there. So that that was a good sign. Now, the other thing that caught my eye was there was a scene where we saw the gravestone with some other ships flying in space towards what looked to be a Death Star like object. Now, I'm not saying it's a Death Star, but. If it looks like a Death Star, if it's in space like a Death Star, if it has a little dish, weapons type dish like a Death Star, then it's probably a Death Star. Although I have a hard time believing that they would put an actual Death Star in the game. That said, if you want to sort of put a stamp on your story, a stamp on your game that says, I am a classic Star Wars game slash story, well, one way to do that is to put a Death Star in the game. But again, I really don't think it's a Death Star. What I do think it is is this. I think it's one of the new planets that we're going to see in Knights of the Eternal Throne. And it's either being protected by a shield. And what we see from, from space is some piece of giant technology that is that is a shielding the planet and protecting it. Or, or what I really think it is, is possibly a cloaking device, right? Someone installed some giant piece of technology whose sole purpose was to cloak the planet and keep it hidden because that planet looks like it's in surrounded by some sort of asteroid field, so it's not something you would accidentally just sort of bump into if you were flying around in space. So I don't think it's a Death Star. Uh, I'm not really convinced that it's a shield protecting the planet. I think this planet is cloaked, that that is some sort of cloaking device, and the planet is hidden, but we will find out soon enough. Now, the final uh, scene I want to talk about is one where we see the Outlander walking through the throne room on Zakul, and littered on the floor are all sorts of bodies, friends and foes alike. And one of the, the, the bodies that caught my eye was that of a man. And okay, so I won't go full spoiler here, but let me just say it was a man and this person is either someone who is obsessive compulsive and likes to do their laundry every single night or is someone who has a closet full of the exact same outfit and likes to put on a new one every single day. And I'll leave it at that for you to kind of figure out who that might be. Uh, again, but that person is just laying on the ground looking quite dead, although we have seen in the past, right? I mean, we don't know. This is just sort of a, a very quick shot. So maybe they're dead. 
maybe they've just taken a nap, maybe they're just asleep, or maybe they've just been knocked unconscious. It's, it's one of those, those deals where as we walk through, you know, we, they zoom in on him, the eyes open up and he takes a deep breath and, ah, life is good. I'm kind of hoping it's that. Although, I mean, I say, you know, look, the, the idea that we might lose some people in the story, I, it's actually a good thing because it means they can tell a more meaningful, more impactful story. And these guys do a very good job of cultivating new characters and bringing in new characters. And, and I love it when they do that. I love that when it happens, when you have like a minor character that you've run across through various different story arcs in the game. And you just, you've kind of noticed them, but they haven't really been important. And then all of the sudden, they're kind of brought into this role of prominence. And then because we've seen them before, because we're familiar with them, we, we tend to bond with them a little bit more. And they're, they're just, they don't just come out of nowhere all the time. In fact, one good example, or really two good examples of this are the current respective leaders of the two main factions in with Suresh, who's kind of the current despot in chief, I guess, of the Republic, and Darthasena, who's the self-declared empress of the Sith Empire. And both of these characters were really just sort of minor characters that you ran across in the game. In fact, they were started out really as just ordinary quest givers, and now they've risen to be sort of these main characters, although we, we certainly dealt with Suresh much more than we have Darth Asena. But they're out there, and I think they're kind of waiting for this. I think we'll see a little bit of them in Knights of the Eternal Throne, and we will probably encounter them and have to deal with them in some fashion, I think, when the story continues after Knights of the Eternal Throne. But those are two very strong examples that I can think of where they had minor characters that were cultivated, as I said, and and brought into positions of prominence and now are becoming sort of more major characters in the story that we're seeing in the Old Republic. And by the way, looking even further ahead, I believe this probably is going to pave the way for Kai Zyken now to be the next super villain that threatens the galaxy far, far away. I think he is making his plans now to become the next evil genius that we will face in our galactic adventures coming soon to an expansion near you. Well, that's all I have right now for the the teaser trailer. If you haven't watched it, please go ahead and do it. It's a 30-second clip. It's fun. It kind of gets you energized and, and excited, even more excited for the story coming in Knights of the Eternal Throne. All right, so let's get into the story live stream. Overall, I thought it was pretty good, but then again, we're talking about story, so what's really not to like? And uh, so here's what I'm going to do. I'll, first, I'll set the stage of where things are with the story and review some of the big questions and mysteries that are still lingering, and then I'll talk about which one of the which of those I think will get resolved. So when Knights of the Eternal Throne begins, about six to eight months of time will have passed. So a little bit of a time gap, but not nothing huge. Balin, of course, is now the Eternal Empress and leading Zakul. Scorpio is with her in kind of an advisory capacity. And Senya and Arkin are on the run. As far as the Alliance is concerned, it's gaining strength. And people across the galaxy are rallying to our cause because they believe that we can win. So coming out of Knights of the Fallen Empire, there were a lot of uh, mysteries and unanswered questions. And I think think the big ones were, uh, you know, where do the Gravestone, the Eternal Fleet, the Gemini Droids, and Scorpio all come from? What was their purpose? 
you know, keep in mind that none of those things were native to Zakul. These weren't creations uh, of Valkorian. These were things that he sort of heard of. He, 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 they were bits of lore, bits of rumor, and, and he pursued them and discovered uh, what they were all about. And then he sort of incorporated them into his empire. So I believe the answers are going to be forthcoming when we travel to one of the new planets coming in the expansion called Iocath. Now, what is Iocath? Well, it was described as a entirely mechanical planet. It's a, they, they, they said it was a Dyson sphere, which is a megastructure that completely encompasses a star and captures most or all of its power output. So Iocath is sort of this, again, this mechanical, uh, digital world, if you will. And I think this is where we're going to go find, get the resolution of Scorpio, the eternal fleet and, and the Gemini droids. Uh, so when I talked about the teaser trailer, I mentioned, uh, seeing a planet in there that was sort of a death star like object. Well, that planet was Iocat that was confirmed in the live stream. They had images of it and it does, it does look a little bit like a death star. So obviously it's not a death star. Although I will say this, they had some additional screenshots where they sort of zoomed in into the planet, and it does have a giant trench going through the middle of it, which very much resembles Starkiller Base from uh, The Force Awakens. But Iocath, is a, it's a brand new planet, brand new to the Star Wars universe, and I think this is where we're going to learn all about Scorpio, the fleet, and the gravestone. Um, quick note about Iocath, because uh, this question came up, and it came up with one of the other questions that I'll talk about in a minute here, is, is this planet revisitable? And the answer to it is no, it's not an open world area. They would be open to the, that possibility, but no, it's it's only visitable in the story, much like Vanden was uh, in Chapter 13, Profit and Plunder. But nonetheless, it looks like a very cool world, and I think it's going to be at least part of one chapter, if not two. In Knights of the Eternal Throne. The other big mystery uh, coming out of Knights of the Fallen Empire is what is Valkorian's ultimate plan and why does he need us? And they did say that we will learn a lot more about Valkorian's backstory and his ultimate plans for us. And that we will know what he had in mind from that moment we first meet him in the throne room. And when we make that decision whether or not to kneel or to kind of reject his offer. So we're going to get, uh, as I said, we will, that will all get resolved. And I think a big part of, of that resolution will involve traveling to another new planet called Nathema. Uh, Nathema is the birthplace of Tenebrae, who is aka Vitiate, who is aka Valkorian. This is where he comes from. This is where he's born. If you've read the Revan novel, you're, you, you know the planet from there. Uh, it's, it's something that Vitiate went and devoured much like he did, uh, Zyost. So it's a dead world. It's a terrifying, awful place to be. Uh, they said it will not be pleasant for a force user and may have a bigger impact on force using characters, although I don't think it's really gonna matter all that much. I think that's gonna come more in the form of maybe some slightly different dialogue choices, just a little more flavor or atmosphere in, in the story if you play a force user versus a non-force user. Uh, they did confirm that this planet was in the cinematic, and it's where Valen was taken for her training. It's where Valkorian brought her to, and the planet where Senya ultimately tried to rescue her from in that cinematic. But 
I like that we're going here because I think it bridges the gap between Vitiate and Valkorion and removes the disconnect that kind of exists between the two. I mean, we've always known they were one in the same, but they've always felt like very distinct individuals with decidedly different personalities and decidedly different goals. And, you know, as we've, at least for me, as I've gone through Knights of the Fallen Empire, I often forget in my conversations with Valkorion that he is in fact the former Sith Emperor. It's, it's, it's something I kind of have to, I have to remember. It doesn't seem obvious by, by talking to Valkorion. In fact, I think if you were just look at the Valkorion as a character and not know any of his, uh, origins as, as the Sith Emperor, you wouldn't necessarily, uh, infer that by, by, by him. He just seems like a very different character than Vitiate. So the fact that we're going to his home world, the place where he, he comes from, I think we will kind of, as I say, bridges the gap between the two. And I am excited for that. A few other notes just about the, the story in general, um, that they mentioned that they said this could be the deadliest expansion to date and that we, meaning the out, we being the outlander, are going to control the fates of a lot of different characters, uh, from further their companions or even other story or story characters such as Arkin and Senya. Of course, we are going to, to, to meet up with Arkin and Senya again at some point in the story. And, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have, uh, a huge impact on, on what happens there. Uh, as far as the Republic and the Empire go, uh, they did mention that, yes, we will, we will kind of be, they will come up. It will, they will be part of the story. They're not going to be the main thrust of the story, but the fact that our alliance is uh, gaining uh, some wind, this fact that people are coming to our aid, it's, it's not no longer sort of a hidden thing. I guess both the Republic and the Empire are starting to keep an eye on us and are probably trying to make some plans here and try and figure out what's going to happen if we actually win and whether or not we might be allies or enemies or, or what. So again, that won't be the, they said it's not going to be the main thrust of Knights of the Eternal Throne, but something that's going to come up. And I think that's probably going to be the next big, big story. At least I hope it would be that we would kind of, kind of resolve what's, what's going on there. So that's really, really all they had to say about Knights of the Eternal Throne. Obviously, they didn't want to get into too many details and and spoil spoil much. So, I mean, sort of the big discussion was that it was the two new planets of Iocath and and Nathema. And uh, like I said, I look forward forward to visiting both both of them. So the next topic I wanted to talk about was returning companions or the lack thereof. And one of the big things is said no new companions coming back in Knights of the Eternal Throne. And they, they said they felt like companions were dragging the story down, uh, and that a lot of times it felt like filler, and they really wanted the core story to be the focus this time around. Do they want to bring every companion back? Yes, but they said they want the return to be meaningful. And, and, and so forth. So, I'm disappointed that we won't be getting more companions back in this expansion. It's been over a year since we've seen them. And the more time that goes by, the more disconnected we sort of become from them. Um, and, you know, the, the idea that they felt companions were dragging the story down, I, I, I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, Chapter 13, Profit and Plunder, is by far my favorite chapter in all of Knights of the Fallen Empire. Yes, it was a diversion and not essential to the core story. 
but it wasn't entirely disconnected and it served as a wonderful diversion and a perfect way to bring back two beloved companions. That's, yes, that's right. Two beloved companions. Seriously. If you haven't played the bounty hunter story with Galt as your companion the whole way through, you are missing out. Believe me. Uh, and, you know, the writers for this game are more than capable of finding roles for these characters that are integral to the plot. And again, look at Iocath. As I said, it's a mechanical world, kind of a digital world, advanced computer and artificial technology abound. What better opportunity to bring Mako back into the fold? Yes. When it comes to slicing, Theron Sean is the best, but so is Mako. I could easily see a situation where the slicing job is too great for even Theron, and, you know, it's a situation where, you know, uh-oh, better get Mako. And I think that would be a very a good opportunity to bring some a character like that back into the story and have it be central to the core story and not just some little side thing that's going on. And... You know, look, I understand the need to bring these companions back in a meaningful way, but I just hope they don't let the pursuit of perfection impede progress here. I mean, yes, ideally you want interactions between your character and the returning companion and, and, and any other characters that are familiar with that companion uh, to be meaningful. Um, and you also want to have, you know, little small things like interaction between, you know, companions that used to be part of the same crew kind of like what they did with Kaleo and Scorpio I thought that was a good example when when those two are reunited and 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 so forth but you know I mean by this point we know enough about our alliance and about the wars of cool that you know these missing companions have to know who we are that we're the outlander they have to know that we're still alive and to me you know the more the time that goes by the more it looks like it's a conscious conscious choice on their part to stay away. So, I don't know. I, I really would have liked to have seen, even even if they're just more alerts, some of those Alliance alerts are fun, so I, I would have liked to have seen more companions come back, but maybe later on this year they'll find time to, 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 to give us the content and find a way to get them back. But in the meantime, I guess we'll just have to settle for that companion terminal on Odessin, and if you've been holding out and not... Uh, retrieving some of those companions because you're just kind of waiting for them to come back in the story. And you might want to go back there and retrieve them because it doesn't look like they're coming back any time soon. All right. So on the next topic, because this was something that came up a little bit during the, the live stream, I want to talk about the command crates that we'll be getting from doing the galactic command. Now at the beginning of the live stream, they, they demonstrated opening up uh, two, I think they opened up two, maybe, maybe three of them. And everyone was kind of intently focused on the gear that was coming out, right? Everyone wanted to see what, what the, what the items were, what the item ratings on the armor was, what kind of armor was it, were there set bonuses, this, that, and the other. So people have sort of looked and seen, uh, what came out of those crates. Uh, one thing I will say about the crates is this. Anything that comes out of a Galactic Command Crate, you will be able to disintegrate. And it's not just armor pieces. And some of those things are like reputation items. I think we saw some uh, CZ98, some of that Zerka, a Zerka reputation certificate uh, came out of one of the crates. And yes, you can just disintegrate anything that comes out of a crate for more Galactic Command XP. And I know people are very upset. They're not happy that, you know, acquiring gear in Knights of the Eternal Throne is going to be um, 
random, right? It's just going to be completely up to the random, uh, to the RNG gods as to what pieces you get and when you get them. Like I said, I'm not thrilled about that, but I'm not overly concerned. And quite frankly, what, what bothers me is this really, it's, it's the whole command crate light life cycle. And there, and there, and there, there, there are issues here that I have concerns about. And because, you know, I think in the beginning, it's going to be fast and furious and you should be gaining crates at a pretty good rate. Everything will be an upgrade. Even those crappy green pieces that you would normally vendor might actually be an up, upgrade early on. Uh, you'll start to get, and then you'll start to get set pieces and so forth. And just when the frustration starts to set in at the time, at the length of time it's taking to complete your set, you'll likely hit a gear threshold and everything will be an upgrade again. It's kind of like doing a story mode op with your guild and where you don't quite get everything before you switch to hard modes and sure you'd like to have had your six piece set bonus, but now you're getting better gear all the way around and it's not so bad. And then right around this point, the gear acquisition may begin to slow down, but like before, you'll get pieces and then you'll cross over to that final threshold where you're now getting the highest level of gear. And eventually, you'll have all the gear you want and need, and the crates will become virtually useless. And the problem is that you'll continue to earn them. You'll get lazy, and you'll let them pile up in your inventory, and then as your inventory fills up, you'll begin to open them to clear space. Now your command stash is full of junk you don't need. Well, no problem. You disintegrate it all, right? Well, sure. But the problem with that is you get command XP, which in turn generates more crates. So as the expansion moves forward, you enter into this vicious cycle of self-replicating crates you don't need, and I think it's that last part that I dread the most. While getting gear in random order is not ideal, I at least know that eventually I'll have all the gear. It's pretty much a certainty. But if there's one thing I hate, it's seeing my inventory loaded with needless junk that I can't vendor. And unlike a lot of people, I won't hate the crates in the beginning, but I'm pretty sure I'll despise them by the end. So that's all I really have to say about the the, the galactic uh, command crates. I mean, you know, look, as I said, the big, big uh, unhappiness on people's parts is the fact that it's random, and I understand that. All right, so finally this week, uh, Bioware uh, posted on the official site a short story written by Drew Karpishin, called A Mother's Hope, and here's a little excerpt from it. Senya braced herself as she began her descent. The polluted atmosphere of Ordamantel made turbulence common. Tightening her grip on the controls, she fought to stabilize the shuttle as it rattled and bucked. A sharp, high-pitched beep rose from the back of the ship. The various machines hooked up to Arkin's unconscious body in the makeshift medbay, signaling in protest as they were jostled by the rough ride. She was coming in fast and steep, making the turbulence worse. But the longer she stayed airborne, the greater the chance sensors from the surface would pick her up. The people of Ordmantel had no love for the Eternal Throne's new Empress, but the massive reward Valen was offering for her mother's capture might be enough to make some of them reconsider their loyalties. So there you go. I don't know about you, but I want more of that to be sure. And I guess the more of that is, of course, Knights of the Eternal Throne. But I'd love to read another story based on Star Wars The Old Republic. And if it were to be authored by Drew Carpishan, all the better. So so go read that. Watch the trailers. Watch the cinematics. And 
that's it. I mean, November 29th is right around the corner and that's when early access begins in December 3rd if you don't have early access, but it's here. It's coming. It's, 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 it's here. And very soon we will have all the answers solved, all these mysteries solved and, uh, there will be. So that's it. I think that's going to be about it for this week. Here's some final thoughts because the next time I do a podcast, it will be post expansion launch. It'll be after the expansion launch and we'll have seen the story. We'll have all the answers to these mysteries and we'll be working on a galactic command and it'll be pretty exciting. So yeah, that's all I have this week. And overall, I think I'm excited for the new expansion. I think the story will be great. As far as the RNG gear goes, I'm not thrilled about it, but I'm not overly concerned either because eventually I'll have all the gear I need. I am concerned though that there are not enough new activities to support the Galactic Command. I'm going to focus on Uprisings, the Dark versus Light, and replaying the Knights of the Eternal Throne chapters. I'll do other stuff, but none of it's new or fresh, so it's just not that compelling. When Knights of the Fallen Empire was released, we knew there was more story coming, and we knew the content would be flowing into the summer of 2016. For Knights of the Eternal Throne, there is no indication of what the content cadence will be. If they can produce something new each month after the new year and add to the list of items that contribute to the Galactic Command, I think we'll be all right. If not, we could be in for a bit of a content drought, and I don't know if there's enough current content to support this for a long period of time. And with that, I definitely hear the music, so that can mean only one thing. You've managed to survive another half hour listening to episode 14 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. And you can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is currently SotorPodcast.com. And there is also an RSS feed where you can subscribe directly to the podcast. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast and be sure to follow us on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast. And again, tune in December 6th for episode 15. And remember the Sith Code, Cake is Alive.